What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Fudge Muppet. I'm Scott here with Michael Drew. As always, this is the Elder Scrolls podcast, and today we are talking all about the needs. Uh, and you might need some elaboration on that for people who aren't into the... Because I guess it's like needs doesn't come up often in, if you're just playing the game. It games. doesn't. And, and we're talking spelled N-E-D-E-S, not needs as in wants and needs, mm. or I need this. But they need an infusion of Elder Scrolls lore straight into their veins. So, the needs are basically a very, very ancient, uh, primitive human race. And they're the, yeah. they're the predecessor to Imperials, but potentially other races, as we'll talk about. And there's a lot of theories about them. Some say that they were always in Tamriel, and then you have the theory that they came to Tamriel from Atmora. Yeah, well, we got to, like, two also, so needs, to understand needs too, is like, if you were to compare it to um, a real-life culture to help understand, it's about as useful as saying Celts, as in that, like, Irish Celts or, or um, French, you know, Gauls, Gauls or Hellstack Celts and all of that, they have some broad notes and broad strokes that are, that are similar, some sort of biological and, like, language ties, but they actually form quite individual cultures themselves, so... The needs, and it's just the one term that we've got, needs is kind of like the equivalent of Celts. There's lots of, of certain um, geographical areas, like there's the the needs of the Deathlands or the needs of, of um, you know, Black Marsh or, or Cyrodiil and stuff like that. They all have quite distinct cultures and stuff. Of course, there's some broad similarities, or but it, the more like... They're kind <laughs> of like indigenous, well, if, if they were always in Tamriel, but that energy is kind of like indigenous groups all over Tamriel that all have different subcultures. Yeah. There's two like... Sorry, you go. Well, through. I was going to say, and if we're talking about migrations as well, the the different... The, there's differences of thousands of years to the point where, you know, we can kind of go through the details of, of the evidence of whether they did migrate from Atmora or whether they were always there. But it really isn't... Doesn't actually have that much of an impact on who they are as a people anyway it doesn't actually matter that much i think there's a you know the the Imper when the imperials had talos tiber septim come along who they believe to be their at more an emperor there's kind of a reason to like come up with an excuse for why um you know all needs and you know the the people of cyrodiil originated from the same place in atmora so it kind of like justifies their emperor but for the most part whether whether or not they came across the ocean or were always there over the span of thousands of years of developing their own culture almost becomes irrelevant to who it, they are as a people, pretty much. I guess the thing as well that, that makes it feel extra irrelevant is that they're not really around anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, in, in the sense that they were. It probably mattered a lot back back then. Like, the, for, for example, if they were always in um, High Rock and then the Dereni elves came to High Rock, found the needs, and then enslaved them versus the Dereni being established in High Rock and then the Needs coming there and the Elves mm -hmm. are kind of like, okay, you can settle in our lands, but we're basically going to like make you these low-class citizens and you'll do what we say. That I... creates two massively different stories. Mm. But like you said, either way, at the end of the day, what happened? We got Bretons. So Yeah, but I'd argue that all <clears throat> of it is incredibly important and in, in it <laughs> challenges the Elven narrative, which is the dominant narrative traditionally and gone through all cultures which when the more you can poke holes at the traditional elven sort of aldmeras 
the whole old Elden of Hay story, like we were all the Tamriel and, and the, the races of men came and ruined everything and that kind of thing. You get a much more like nuanced look at all of, all of Tamriel when you're not just taking, oh, it's as simple as like, you know, Aurel and the, and the gods are down and baddie lore kind of stuff. So when you, when you bring in um, the idea that, oh, well, Needs might have actually been here all along. Oh, maybe actually even the Bosma were here as the Ooze before and the Argonians and everything. And then these high elves that came and then just colonized and dominated all these different cultures are actually deluded as hell. And they sort of just put their sort of um, dogma to everyone and sort of influence all of the cultures that buy into this sort of other thing where it turns out that all of the if we go with that theory that the native Needs and the native Argonians and the native Khajiit and everyone that's native to the land they were wrongfully there, man. This was always old Elnafe, like Tamriel, until your gods came and ruined everything mm. along with it. I think it does inform a lot. It does seem like what what I was getting at is that even if they came from Atmora, most of the evidence seems to suggest that when the High Elves made their migrations from Somerset, they were coming to places where they could subjugate already settled populations of human. You know, mm. so like if so, if there were obviously. The evidence suggests that there were migrations, if there were migrations and they weren't native, long before Isgrimor came along. So these lands that the Dereni came to, that the Aeliads came to, were settled by humans who they were then able to take as slaves, right? And, um, I mean, in some areas, which we'll get into their religion, you can see pretty clear signs that some of these newly migrating elven cultures actually were influenced by the need to live there prior in terms of their own spirituality going forward. Hey, w hey, um, as Mike the Liar says, wood elves aren't made of wood, sea elves aren't made of water. Mike still wonders about high elves. Perhaps they are not so high and mighty after all. Perhaps right. their narrative should be challenged. Mm. I will say... They're all just high, so they're making it well, all up. <laughs> that's that's kind of what the... Uh, if you go read about his quote specifically, I, I kind of disagree sometimes with what um, it's said to be a reference to like that is said to be a reference to being high but mm. for me it sounds much deeper and more interesting if he's kind of making a little note like oh what if they're not as like high and mighty mm. as they make out also did anyone else see the shadow behind um scott it kind of looked like an elven helmet when he was <laughs> it just kind of went past in the window <laughs> to um <laughs> Yeah, um, but, but, uh, but to pull it, they're, here to, they're here to get him. <laughs> to pull some nice, like, uh, a basic sort of look. So there is the, what they call the out of Atmora theory, which is kind of the idea that all humans that exist on Tamriel come from Atmora. And then um, the other one is that they're indigenous and that they've, like, kind of always been there in some form. And then there's obviously later migrations of the Nords and stuff. And in some ways, it could easily be a... A combination of both in the fact that there could be indigenous groups of people, of humans, in Tamriel. Then, later in the Merethic era, there were additional earlier migrations from Atmora, which then intermixed with the Needs, which would have just been blanketed, called Needs. And then Nords come, which come as a much more distinct sort of um, race later on in, in the history. Basically, but Atmoran kind of race. Yeah, but I think there's things that it's like one of the, like the biggest like thing um, in the... Uh, video I did recently, like sort of a prehistoric Skyrim looking thing, um, is you have this sort of medallion of Kothringi origin um, in, found in Blackmarsh. Um, and the Kothringi are the silver skinned races of humans, which are sort of even encapsulated in that sort of Nedic branch. Um, but 
that dates back to the early Merethic era, which would place them before Elven um, arrival. And additionally, there's also a statue of Sithis that looks to appears to have been made by um, Kothringi craftsmen. And it's the Argonian depiction of Sithis with the egg and everything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that would sort of imply is that the Kothringi were there way back when the ancient Argonians were there, having their big empire and stuff that was all um, revolving around um, Sithis worship and so on. Um, and then they, you know, made that in cultural exchange. But this places the Kothringi, like, on Tamriel way earlier than the dates you get in, in the books like Frontier Conquest and so on, which says, like, 1,000 to 800 mm-hmm. ME, which is, like, 1,000 to 800 years before the, the first era begins. Do you think that it there could be a bit of um, confusion where kind of two the two sides of this theory could be true partially each? Because if we are to say that the needs are kind of all grouped together for almost convenience, because let's be real, the Kothringi are like a silver-skinned race, right? Mm. Like, they, they don't look like how you'd imagine other needs look. Yeah. And so, it could be that they were there, but mm. the ones up in Skyrim weren't. Yeah, it's and, possible. And that would kind of be like, okay, they could have come from Atmora and different needs could have also been in Tamriel. And so beyond that, the other thing is also just the chronological, like if you're trying to make sense in a broader, like it, the idea that the needs were indigenous, I think at least makes a far more coherent and cohesive, understandable story that it, it just feels rather strange that, oh, in the, the Aelids, um, there was no, uh, there were no um, needs there first and the needs get all into their lands as tribes and cultures before they're enslaved same as the deal with the the Dereni or you know in, in other areas it's like how, how did that kind of yeah they're it, never it gonna happen. they're not gonna let them settle there in the first place yeah. especially in the kind of numbers it would require to make a society like you mm. know like a big one and like the, you can imagine that if they were you know being taken and forced into slavery in Cyrodiil for example by the Aelids why would more just keep coming to actually give them this big, yeah. you know, force? It it really does feel like they would have to be settled there first. They need to and be, to be to integrated pro- properly before. Yeah. Before and they addition- come along. Additionally, there's also other kinds of like um, connections, like with things for the uh the the stars like so it's a thing across needed cultures there seems to be a reasonable fascination with the stars you find it and then the celestials and so on. But this is found a quite a f- across quite a few needed tribes. And then if you had the idea that maybe they were native sort of star worshippers or stars was a big part kind of bringing in the Aelid fascination with the stars, which really began when you had the Aelid divergence from the Somerset sort of high elf kingdoms. So when you have that divergence, it's like, where does that appear from? And so maybe they sort of took this fascination of these tribes they conquered with stars and stuff, and then they started to, you know, pursuing those avenues and then that's when they created the Aelid Wells and the Welkenstones mm-hmm. and the Power of the Stars and such and and then also if you go look to the to the Reachmen and, and, and this is their story so it's once again it's mythology but they believe that they've been there long before Nords or Elves or anyone was in the Reach and the Caves stuff so mm-hmm. it's just another little and, and obviously there's there's bits and pieces all over there's little like relics or bits and pieces all over um, Tamriel that will just sort of nod to like humans mm. being there, there there's earlier. i think one example from your video <laughs> scott was a uh, a pair of nidic dueling swords that were found in the possession of like a, a basically like a, a draga lord character who you know is from ancient times yeah and so the idea there is there could be a few things it could be either that um 
that you have this sort of drug because there's ideas obviously too which is just is true like you have the later siro nordics and siro as in like cyrodelics are a derivative of of nedic um blood and s- such so there's obviously going to be intermixing and breeding and stuff over time which create new um sort of ethnic distinctions and so on um but that's that sort of could have been like a a relic of like maybe a, a grandfather or something that was like a full-blooded need or something and then they married in order and then it went down again and got passed down the other thing i was sort of getting at is that potentially it could be um quite old and that this skyforge here could even potentially have been a needic megalithic structure and then there's this unique you know um metal stuff and that's why they were quite profound at uh metal creation despite the fact that by other metrics they were considered um, the the needs of Skyrim were considered primitive and so on. And there's also the examples of like other but later tribes working with Hercene to build like other powerful forges like the Bloodroot mm. Forge and so on. So I and mean, also- even even look at the Duraki needs and all the needic kind of structures in Hammerfell, mm. they they're quite tall and rather advanced. You know, it's not all uh Forsworn feeling. It's not just tents and totems and, and yeah, things like that. The Duraki needs are kind of the perfect way to get to get a good idea of what the needs were like before they were kind of affected by the elves because they were the most kind of the the, the culture that managed to survive despite all the kind of foreign invasions and you had them creating these relics because they had their cold of the stars they worship the stars they were creating these relics from ethereum crystals which is essentially the same material used in the um by the aliens just kind of referred to as meteoric glass but the idea is that they're the same thing really and that achieve the same purpose so that the idea that you've got kind of some of the cyrodiil based needs like the um is it the men of gi are they are they based yeah. they're based in with the men of gi men you can you can yeah. associate that with the Magnagi, who are like the star orphans as well. Um, the idea that the aliens come along, they suddenly develop, they they consider light to be one of their elements, which the high elves don't generally do, makes a lot of sense if they're coming along and stealing the culture of the local needs. Also, just to throw out a quick clarification for people too, most resources in regards to the needs are from um, the first era or, or sort of shortly before and stuff because you still see the last of the needs. So the last identifiable, really strictly, almost like needed cultures are things like the needs of the Deathlands, um, the Duraki needs they get called, which is just named after King Durak, who was their last like high king. And there's a few tribes around it, all like the Keptu people and such, but there's all these different needed tribes. But the reason we have, you know, relatively decent records of those is because it's all during the time of the Elysian Empire and the Skyrim's Empire of Nords and stuff like that, where there's much more scarce information going back. But it's really interesting to try and bridge these pieces. Like I suggested in the video that, for example, like in the first era, by the time of 800, there is the existence of this forest king, Kestic, and there is an Edic tribe called the Men of Kreeth. So the very the assumption being that you know, men of Kreeth, as in Falkreath, later on, Forest King Kestic of this place. And if there are, if you can sort of say that, oh, well, there were needs here, then you can kind of, if you go with an indigenous um, point of view, you can imagine that further back there is yeah. evidence for them. It, it's also for interesting, precedent, too, sorry. When, when you're talking about there being different, <laughs> um, kind of like better records kept because of more recent needs and then the older ones are kind of like more lost to time it is interesting that when you look at the totems of her scene that they are said to kind of predate 
men's ability to write, speak, and properly think. So they're these super ancient kind of artifacts. And then you look at the fact that in kind of Nedic derived cultures like the Reachmen, they worship Hercene. And then you actually do see kind of um, Nedic symbology with like, um, like horns and antlers and very like Hercene looking kind of things. So it, it's almost as if they could have easily uh, worshipped her scene and it would make sense as to why the historical records get you know so um so cloudy because they they couldn't write speak or and that think. that is the other thing that that is of significance um for the skyforge in general too is that we have you know as much confirmation as we get it predates the nords and it predates the snow elves because the snow elves believed it to be a relic of the gods but it's kind of like well, what if it was actually some sort of like magical construction of needs that predated Snow Elven arrival even? Um, and then, you know, they pick it up and like, mm. oh, it's of the gods or something like and, that. And like we said, it's not far-fetched considering that they did forge things and, and build impressive mm. structures in various places. It's not like yeah. they couldn't have built, you know, a Look, that, that, that's that forge. Ki that's kind of what I saw, sort of like uh, say in the video. It's like you've got all of these like Neolithic structures like Stonehenge and Newgrange and, and pyramids in our real world where we don't have magic and gods and stuff like that. It's not so far-fetched that they can build a big bird forge thing <laughs> or, or something like that or, or the megalithic standing stone kind of things with magic and gods and stuff like that as well. Because to be honest, even visually, they're kind of pale into the, you know, comparatively to like, you know, Newgrange or pyramids or stuff like that. Because um, it's just mm -hmm. a simple stone up or something like that. And, you know, it's got carvings and stuff on it. But there's a lot of, you know... Um, Cool yeah. stuff. I feel like there's a lot of new, like, real-world research um, that could be applied to, like, to to sort of the needs and so on. But, like, there's lots of new cool... Um, there's a book I'm reading called The Dawn of Everything, which has a, a very interesting take on, like, all of, all of history and stuff and, like, packaging it differently and stuff. Um, and one of the main things is that this idea that hunter-gatherers or that, or that large societies can't exist without... Um, agriculture and, and and trade and stuff and there's basically there's lots of evidence for like they call it Go, uh, Gobekli Tepe is the yeah, uh, one in Turkey saying. and so on but as far as they can tell they're hunter-gatherers that have built and somehow coordinated these big um, stone structures and so on but there's also ones um, that they found in like near the Mississippi River and so on. I, f I forgot the name of it but these big sort of like stone formation almost feel like you know mini cities of that time but as far as you know they're um, you know, um, indigenous Americans and uh, they were constructing those, but they were living like hunter-gatherer lifestyles and so on. And there's some really interesting things. A, a lot of the focus of it is talking about agriculture versus hunter-gatherer and rather than it's this, this clear technological development, like this idea that hunter-gatherers that stayed hunter-gatherers were, it wasn't just like, oh, agriculture comes along and they get exposed to it and then all of a sudden it makes 100% sense and it's the best way to go. And, and like people like, you know, flirting with the ideas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But still, like, I wonder if that could be applied to needs or so on. Just to the point I was trying to get at there is that if you can imagine, like, hunter-gatherer needs of Skyrim, but then they could still come together and build these sort of stone structures of ritual significance or, or you know, even, you know, metalworking, depending. Well, and it, it touches back onto something we discussed before, but when we're talking about history in the Merefic era and, and before that, um, almost all of the perspective comes from the elves and it almost all comes from somerset so in in the at the end of the dawn and the the early morific times we're seeing so much stuff happening on somerset and and the effect that that will have then on the mainland but 
meanwhile, we're not really getting in any information from the mainland, you know, and, and what gods, if any, the the natives are interacting with. And the fact that there are, the, you know, like we've mentioned with her scene, there are cultures on the mainland who seem to have affinities with certain gods who weren't necessarily present on Somerset during all of the conflict between, you know, Oriel, you've got Trinamac, but we feel all that stuff going on and the divergent groups coming from that. We don't know what's going on with the with the natives. It's even rough. even the um, Aelid's descent into Daedric culture just sounds like another like Nedic inspired thing. Mm. You know, yeah. like you look at that, it's like oh, <clears throat> the the Aelids who went to Sir, uh, well the elves who went to Cyrodiil and became the Aelids. You know, oh they got interested in stars and light and Daedra and everything very different to like you know the Ultma or the Oldma of the Isles. To clarify there for people too is that there is sort of, we like to work with this theory or so on that Daedric worship is far more prevalent among the, the Nedic, early Nedic tribes and so on. And the reason being is that if you treat the Reachmen somewhat, they seem like they could easily be an isolated. Like there's connections the video made with the totems of her scene and how it could relate to her scene. And, and you know, there's later Nedic Keptu tribes that work with her scene and, and stuff like that. But if you envision the Reachmen as the only sort of cultural isolate just given by their geography and so on, that they've been able to stave off a lot of elven um, influence. And then if you look at also the the needs of the Deathlands, they weren't um, necessarily, but they did have their own different systems of worship. But the reason being is that, you know, you've got the High Elves there, they come to some, uh, they come to Cyrodiil and then they, you know, obviously become Aelids eventually. But the needs, the Nedic slaves of the Elysian Uprising had no connection to their traditional faiths. They were worshipping purely elven gods at that point. So, mm. and their dominant faith, the imperial cult, which would come from uh, Elysia, is a mixture of later Nordic things, which are from the far north, and the elven gods, whereas a lot of their stuff doesn't exist. Their traditional, whatever, original True. worship doesn't exist. And the whole Adra Daedra distinction, remember, is an elven idea. It is our ancestors or not our ancestors. So they put them in these neat little piles. Like you don't get the same thing with the Khajiit. You don't get the same thing necessarily with the Argonians. Or you don't get the same thing with the Reachmen, which according to their um, histories and, and which are all oral and stuff. So, you know, but so, they believe they've been here since well before. So would you say that they wouldn't have gotten any Daedric inspiration from the needs then in Cyrodiil specifically? Or it, maybe be, well, because their fall to Daedra kind of came later, right? I bet I was gonna say yeah, they did, but like maybe initially or something. Or but this is the thing. That's too. the thing. One mage gets into it, and then later he becomes yeah. high ranking and spreads it. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? and also yeah. at the same time that Alicia is setting up this new religion that mixes the Nordic with the Elven, you're also simultaneously getting this this covenant, which is supposed to make it more difficult for Daedra to to mm. access Tamriel, to access Nern, whereas prior to that, you know, before um, before the Imperials came along, before the Elves came to, to the mainland, it's much more likely that the Daedra could come and go as they please and and interact mm. with these, these early needs as but, we've gotten through the story of Molag Bal with the origin of vampires, for example. Exactly, and mentioning that uh, silver medallion too of the Cothringi before, this is depicting Clavicus Vile, another mm -hmm. Daedra. So it's yeah, indicating yeah. like Daedric awareness as far back as early Merethic era, and then obviously like you know like you're saying like Bal and, and other so many other possibilities. But that's why we kind of like to drag go with this. It's not even I wouldn't take it as a certainty, but there is evidence to sort of suggest that this might be the case. It could be they might have some abstract mixed mix of entities that they don't know as Adra or Daedra, but they're just like you know oh Hercene, oh Namira, oh Kine or some other name that they go by because there is also evidence for 
the, I love this, the fat bee mother and the ox <laughs> and stuff. But there's these interesting sort of other deities that we don't really understand or know exactly what they are. There's obviously some comparisons you can make or certain influences. Like I sort of talked that perhaps, you know, the fat bee mother is some sort of Mara-like interpretation. And then that somewhat interpret, uh, sorry, backward when the needs, uh, sorry, when the red guards came, that that actual like iconography actually influenced their version of Morwa with like the beehive and stuff and all of that kind of stuff, mm. honey. But I mean, like we've yeah. said before too, there could be more than than seventeen Daedric princes mm. as well. Yeah, like there are the there's the possibility of extras. Like who knows what deities are being worshipped on Akavir or you know places this we don't know. This happens with everything all the time across any science or any any kind of stuff. You create the best model that you've got with the available information and you test it and so on and it might work, but then all of a sudden something happens that breaks the model and then you're like, oh, that doesn't work. And now you need to try and... You can still use this as... It's still got purpose and use, but you've got to understand that it's not perfect. So now you've got to adapt your model and sort of start working. And, well, and it's also kind of human nature to not want to mess with the established canon yeah. the established ideas um yeah. you know i mean it's a it's a bit of a digression but i'm reading a book on um kind of like the first circumnavigation of the globe at a time where they didn't they didn't know a pacific ocean existed because they were going off like old, old greek models of what the world looked like and then they're like oh they start to get evidence that, that kind of contradicts everything but they're too scared to to actually embrace mm. it because mm. it's it, it seems like what you already have it's it's infallible you can't argue with it and that's kind of like where the sciences develop mm. eventually being able to deal with the fact that we don't know everything yeah speaking of navigations as well topol the pilot perfect segue did well yeah done. did did <laughs> zoom around tamriel and um he did see a lot of interesting things which also question the kind of idea that the elves were there first. I mean, his whole thing is, oh, I'm going around and there's these bird people in Cyrodiil and, you know, there's like kind of Khajiit sounding um, beings mm. running around. So, you know, it, it if we take that as canon and the Aelids did wipe out the bird people or the bird men and then that's potentially how they developed their kind of like bird-like or feather iconography in their armors and different things like that there's just a lot of like examples of you know elves and any culture gets developed uh, or, or influenced by where they go whether they're the on the offense or the defense you know mm. like no matter what happens so i wouldn't be surprised if they i mean i just think they definitely they 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 copied the needs man mm. yeah there's a, there's a lot <laughs> it, it just overall it does make a lot more sense i think rather than like because otherwise it's like imagine that the, the forefathers of the reachmen and everything they're just like they just come over like thousands of years or, or at least hundreds of years after the drainy and then they just sort of like go up to the mountains and then they're all over high rock and it just it's just kind of weird and they've also got to spread all into cyrodiil and, and, and other but well by the way we should also mention and talk about someone i think on the comment of the video asked about would it be possible to do like a like a prehistoric uh, Morrowind or something it's probably not it's not possible or something because there's so mm. little information but there is um, I think it's the Rontha tribe is um, identified as like a Nidic tribe in um, near Mor Morrowind like a mm. Morrowindish sort of area it gets iffy yeah and, and and you know potentially if you connect if you try and like things with like bridges of travel and you've sort of got like you know Kothringi down here and then you've got like Skyrim and Cyrodiilic North it's, it's possible but it's also interesting the idea that like what's going on in Morrowind before elves so before Dwemer or before mm -hmm. Kymer and so on and then you know what, what you need to make 
you need to just make a, a video called Skyrim dash National Geographic and just yeah. go with no no go with the whole thing you did for the prehistoric Skyrim theory video the music the animals everything but just do the animals of like I don't know Tamriel and just yeah. do a whole documentary I would watch that yeah <laughs> I've got to have an interesting take or something for it no I just make it like an encyclopedia and we'll David Attenborough if you're watching yeah. you're allowed to narrate it we'll let you <laughs> yeah. yeah just this once but, but um I guess so just to to establish again the remnants of needs that you have now are basically it's Imperials in their background and Bretons in their background and to some degree obviously the Nords with any sort of interbreeding and stuff like that but they're obviously identifiably mm. Nords so needs as any sort of there is no culture that exists anymore that is you know identifiably needic because funnily enough i would i would consider early elysians needic still quite for a while until imperial well until they really became an empire in the form of the elysian order and expanding and then mm. imperial seems but fitting when you look at imperial culture specifically and you have this whole idea of like colovian and nibbanese you you could say that nibbanese has the most needic derived influence despite mm. it still being quite different to like you know obviously um that, but they they probably would have much more in common like the colovians feel more just like the the nordic influenced imperials right you know what that's a really great point thinking too but you know <laughs> how like like but you know that the the nibbanese in general like you know they were like closer to the you know the the nords are far more that have influenced the Cyrenautics, which became sort of like Clovians, you know, far more, you know, stalwart and like they've got their imperial uh, divine cult and they're very uniform and such. But the Nibbanese, um, their general cultural mindset to begin with is very accepting of lots of different cults and practices and bits and pieces everywhere, quite an eclectic mass of, of cultural um, individuality. And if you were to apply that sort of thinking and if there was some sort of early consistency with earlier um imperials or sorry early needed groups that they did have that far more like open source approach like oh you know a little, a little daedric bit here a little bit of veganism here a little bit of or whatever kind of mix of cultural sort of elements and stuff it might actually be a little bit more telling of, of how the early um needs might hey and here's here's this. a super take and then they evolve into the empire which becomes cosmopolitan which is basically you know, mm. accepting of all different cultures. I think that's a, a far stretch, but I was just yeah. rolling. I was just rolling with it. That, and that's the one other thing to really point out about, like the fighting the elven narrative, is that even with the um, uprising of the needs and stuff in Cyrodiil, which would become the dominant sort of man influence to a degree, I guess Nords were for a bit earlier, but at least a mix of those two, is that fundamentally they've already got the elven influence and stories there. They are completely disconnected from their sort of heritage and stuff, or as far as we can tell. So you've already got the elven story jammed in there in the foundation of the most central human powers in Tamriel. Um, you know, I mean, they even use the writing and language and st um, stuff of it. Like, I think all legal documents or something were in Altmeri Alt language until, like, Reman sort of reign or something like that. But you're looking at thousands of years of, you know. Hey, imagine if the elves were actually right all along. It'd be so annoying for them, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I mean, most believe their, their story, but it's just funny if, like, all this, like, conspiracy and challenging it and it's, like, all wrong. <laughs> yeah 
Well, well I, her, I, 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 I believe I honestly lean much more towards the idea that at least some needs were definitely there also, before elves. And it, it's not beyond the idea that uh, a culture that is values around like higher castes and, and essentially elven supremacy might create stories and versions of events that support the idea that they are the superior race. Even, the, even the fact that they have this kind of like um, supremacy idea very much sounds like a we go here oh we're better than the needs so we're allowed to do xyz it mm. sounds like it could be like more that version of events than oh we've been settled here for ages and here come this like needed group of people uh we're superior to them they're like you like yeah. if, if that makes sense in terms of like the whole um cultural caste system and things like that i know that's within their own society as well but just their kind of like snobbishness yeah it seems yeah. much more of a like and funnily enough uh, they well, take with them actually here's an interesting uh connection there is that obviously elves are obsessed with the idea that they were descended from gods and that the closest to godliness you are in terms of bloodline and, and such like mm -hmm. that the higher caste you are but there's a good maybe a good argument to to say that they introduced the idea of castes based on um, religious, uh, uh, sorry, like godly lineage or association. So whereas if you imagine there's the Nidic tribes and stuff, they just, oh, there's all these powerful spirits and different things and data or whatever, and we worship those based on, but there's this very separate identity of, of from the elves, but whereas the elves come in with their sort of haughtiness, it's like, no, we're close to the gods and so on, and then they introduce these ideas which actually become foundational even for um, the Empire because one of the justifies your um, place as Emperor in the Empire yeah. is dragon blood, which is a blessing of Akatosh. You Supposedly. are chosen by the gods. So this idea of basically like religiously like godly ordained rulership might have come from the elves in general. Mm. And I guess the strength of your pantheon and, and how much it endures has an impact on that as well because if if the elves make that argument and the nords continue to worship their pantheon well who's the closest to the nordic pantheon as they're portrayed they're portrayed essentially as nords you know sun and stun and, and shore and all of that well if you're saying that whoever's clo most closely associated to the gods is the highest race then the nords are the highest race if you are using their framework but it's kind of like how you interpret all of these gods because all these gods it's like well, no, they're not necessarily elven or human. Mm. You know, they don't have shape. We don't know the shape of the ears of the gods except the way you <laughs> depict them. So, yeah. so it's kind of a very and arbitrary a way. Of myth makes reality, though. Mm. So and they're constantly praying, and their like ears are going like this and smaller, <laughs> and it's like big battle mm -hmm. and especially how fluid it is too even with the like for example like Shea Gorath appearing to the Khajiit as a little elfic or to mm -hmm. to that like they kind of choose they appear and manifest how you know the you know it's in the eye of the beholder almost you know like, and uh, like a, as a slight aside it, when we're talking about kind of how most of the needed cultures have either assimilated into other cultures or with the exception maybe of the reach folk aren't really present anymore it's almost a shame that it, it seemed like the Duraki needs of of the Craglorn region could well have endured long past their expiry date if it wasn't for a single high elf there was one high elf who was their entire undoing essentially because you know, you've got the um, the, the regarder waves coming at Vermeril the Betrayer. Yeah, you've yeah. got the um, Yakudan waves coming across. And it almost seemed like they could very well have, if not staved them off, at least kept their own land. But there's this one high elf advisor to King Durak who who believed he, he was eligible to marry this woman. He was denied. So he murdered every single one of the needed kings in their council 
weakened them drastically, and then the Yakudans came along and just wiped them out after that. So it's funny how one high elf was the downfall of mm. potentially the strongest Nedic clan. Also, in terms of like the chronologically about the Duraki needs, though, because like you're sort of saying, is the Yakudan um, raves waves the regatta was really like their downfall because of the mm-hmm. elves, the elven interference there. Well, that one character, um, they would have had about. 600-ish kind of years of potential interaction with the Elysian Order and yeah. stuff like that as well. So it would have been interesting to kind of see how that went down. And we don't... It's like, we don't have any records of this, but the real reason is because this law was developed in mm. ESO and it's come so much later. But, but um, yeah, like, it's just interesting that there would have been... So maybe they would have had some sort of... But, uh, like attachment or, or to some potential like older needed cultural notes like that's the thing too is people think or at least i i used to a long time ago like you you when you hear a lease in order you just think oh you know legions and everyone's just roman looking mm. and everything again but you got to this thing i was like you know they have minotaurs and stuff in their thing like you look at the depictions of alicia and she looks far more ancient with these big horn depictions and stuff like that like they were a far more ancient in vibe people and like aesthetically they would have looked different not just like you know imperial yeah, and, legion and soldiers of all this law kind of aligns with the idea of it being a a like a rainforesty jungly kind of biome that they existed in i i lose track of what we believe whether or not um <laughs> is it a jungle was it always grassland was it retroactively dealt with was it talos who did it i don't know but all of the law associated with alicia and the rebellions and and kind of like the bird people aesthetics of the early aliens it does seem to suggest that, you know, this kind of grasslands, imperial Roman-inspired culture came along later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, if, funnily enough, like, you could put it down to climate change, but, like, look at things <laughs> like, honestly, but look at things like, I think it's the Sahara that basically every 10,000 years or something turns into, like, a lush jungle and everything has different weather patterns, and then, obviously, in the last couple of thousands of years it's been in a dry patch or something, so it's functionally become a desert. But climate does actually change a lot faster than you think in terms of history. Like, you know, you go, like, people were walking across to Ireland and, and Britain stuff by land bridge. Like, there was entire, like, country mass that was there that's now subsumed by water um, and, and it cuts them off. So it's it's not out, and especially with magic and stuff like that, but it's not out of, and maybe also, like, you know, maybe they went slash and burn too far with, like, clearing land for cropland because, you know, um, it happened in, in in America, like, you know, the, uh, the big, like, the Plains Indians and stuff, like, a lot of that area used to be um, forested and so on, and they'll clear it. It's the same as, like, Scotland and, and Ireland, like, a lot of this area used to be forested, but they cut it down, like, human intervention and... Um, you know, and, and that changes the landscape as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it goes for every sort of uh, animal or anything like that. Like elephants can drastically change mm. the landscape depending on their destruction. But I but I suppose you can't change like the species too drastically, right? Like, I mean, you look at Cyrodiil, they are not jungle trees. They're like very... Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, know, at, the, at the end of the day, this is all really trees. hard cope for <laughs> different design decisions. But yeah. it's... It's, you know, it's nice to try and work with it, you know. I, it's, it's funny to imagine. It's like, oh, us as uh, Elder Scrolls historians, it's just giant copium farms of like, <laughs> no, it's, it's coherent. It's good. It's just, yeah. I got my tank on the floor for after the episode yeah. finishes. Just going to pop yeah. the mask on and inhale nice just, and deep. To, to, be, <laughs> to be deep in Elder Scrolls lore, you have to mainline copium. You just have to. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um. 
So needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there, there's obviously like the kind of stuff that we haven't really gone into depth with yet is stuff we've covered in other episodes, like about the Aelids, for example, and, and everything with that. And, um, you know, the the Bretons and stuff. So if you want like a huge dive into those specific cultures, check out our podcasts on those or our, or our just normal YouTube videos, which we also make, believe it or not. Um, I guess uh, just talking, I guess there's the Duraki needs. There is probably the last identifiable, like sort of isolated feeler, like definitively needed culture, like high needed culture, like because the Reachmen kind of get walked all over and they're probably closer to what maybe they looked like primitively, um, you know, earlier in the Merethic era. But with the, uh, a big part is there that they were known as incredible stonemasons and they made like sky reach hold and all of these giant towers and stuff that are still standing, um, into the second era, um, with all those kinds of things too. Like that's where another thing is, if you think of that art form as an acceleration of previous megalithic structures that they made, like the doomstones of Cyrodiil or, or the standing stones in Skyrim or the Mundestones that are everywhere and, you know, potentially Skyforge or other things. But the idea that, that they've obviously have some sort of fascination with stonemasonry and they'll even make barrows and burials going underneath the ground um Mm -hmm. but yeah but then again this could have been nordic influence because the nords were like really great stone workers as well when it's also it's convenient the aliens are remembered for having such incredible architecture that endures um endures over the the hundreds and you know all the centuries that pass and they were using needs as slaves you know you can imagine they were giving Mm. them telling them exactly how they want their architecture and it's the needs who are actually making these fantastically survivable structures. I, feel, I also feel like thematically that's really cool if you have functionally like these primitives, like if you just had like Stone Age tribes across um, all of this. I also want to say like, like Godekech, I guess, I think some people have said it. It's not it's like using the word primitive or something. It doesn't give it, because you can have theoretically a, a Stone Age thing that could be quite culturally advanced or religious, like all different kinds of stuff. It's hard to, obviously we use the use it. people generally use it based upon just um, technology progression but mm-hmm. anyway you have um the like neolithic sort of stone age uh sort of nidic tribes everywhere and so on and, and then that thematically like stones their kind of thing feels mm. kind of cool like an ancient thing because well, like yeah, w- when stone. we use the term primitive we're kind of in the real world we're associating with like the evolution of humanity from kind of like from ape mm. whereas um that's not a thing it's pr- primitive yeah. is literally just meaning in the past in the Elder yeah. scrolls universe yeah Mm. And uh, yeah, so um, it's a it's a that's a cool that's a cool little insight there. Mm. The, the needs were responsible for everything, man. They the Aelids just jacked their entire <laughs> culture. They took the stonework. They took the stars. Well, they took the, the Daedra. Elves are overrated. Humans are superior. You know the Telvar stones. That's it's, Elder Scrolls Online added lore, kind of like what White Gold Tower is made from, but some kind of oh like yeah, that's right, magical stone that's imbued with like the power of creation itself or something like that. It, mm. it, it gets all very um, mysterious and whatnot, but they are said to hold, you know, this vast, vast magical power inside of them. So, you know, the Daedra were trying to chip away and remove the stones for whatever reason, probably for fetch quest reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that that's what that tower is built of. And you have Adamantine Tower, which in... um. Elder Scrolls Online just looks the same, right? It's just like a big well, that's the white thing. gold a, tower a, looking thing. I, c- I can't remember who, who it is. It says it. It might be Baradelmo the Signifier. It says something like, um, 
the yeah. structure of the adamantine tower after being analyzed by stonemasons is like that's not something that could possibly have been humanly or like mortal constructed as proof that it was made by the yeah. gods so if the white gold tower is actually designed by the same specifications then it would have to use magical stone in order well, to be just, possible it just looks very similar that's mm. all I mean, maybe the elves did build it. It's just I mean, like, yeah, you know, where it's, was it's a giant spire up into the sky. If you look in Daggerfall, uh, it's just like this like stone yeah. boxy building. But in the Elder Scrolls Online, the Dreni Tower definitely looks much, much closer to White Gold Tower. Mm-hmm. They're um, just to like, uh, this has changed the topic, so I don't want to like jump in if you guys had trains of thoughts. But um, in regards to the uh, Black Black Marsh needs, it's interesting. Like, so obviously there's evidence that there's Kothringi being there since really early on in the early Merethic era. But there are also other um, tribes identified, such as the Orma, which are a tribe, and apparently they were born without eyes, becoming mm-hmm. masters of their other senses and survived beyond the first era. Um, which is interesting. It's another um, biological difference, like in the same way the silver skinned Kothringi or something. The humans have been there, but and then also there is the Hawali, which is another tribe that adapts to seen as like. The idea is that they were sent there as prisoners or maybe refugees from other walls or something like that. And there's the Yes Pest as well, which have been contemporaries with the Barsabic Aelids and stuff who, remember, are a group of Aelids who were age-worshipping exclusively and then fled. They didn't like the the Cyrodiilic descent into Daedric worship, so they went over there. But again, just the sort of interconnectedness and so many different Nedic tribes, I find it so hard to believe that they weren't there for a long time. Like, there's so much... Um, you know what I mean? Variations and stuff. I, it, it just kind of sounds strange to me that humans first came 1,800 years before the first era. Then they like run on down a black marsh, turn into silver mm. skin. And then they're like, we're the Gothringi. Yeah. And we know it how just... much the, the Nords don't really, they wouldn't really ever part with their culture. And the idea that these like mm. these humans that were born in the snowy wastes would then inhabit the, you know, uh, humid jungles is a bit odd. But it's kind of similar to trying to justify how the... Um, how the Bosmer exist. Like, mm. how do they exist if they started as high elves? You could make the same argument for um, Nedic migrations from Atmora. Yeah. Mm. It's all a bit sus. Yeah. There's a lot There's a lot of confusion and a lot of things to build out different theories. And also talking about, just to throw us, so people don't think I'm like some mad pro, uh, sorry, anti-elven kind of ideal too. The Nords do the same thing. They come here and then they're like, their stories conveniently align with every, everything. Like, oh, we were breathed onto the throat of the world. Skyrim's our return home. This is our this is our land and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they, it's all a process of colonization of the both. And it's interesting that basically Nordic and elven traditional pantheons have become the most dominant it's forces. Battle of the Copes. And the harder you cope, the stronger you shape reality. <laughs> yeah, so. you just summed up the entire history of the universe, both real and Elder Scrolls. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's it. But um, there are other uh, little tribes. I don't know if there's any, like, some are just kind of boring. Some are just like, oh, this was an Edic tribe. Yeah, um, exactly. They're, they're, I think we've covered all of the most interesting ones. Yeah. Ones without eyes, ones with silver skin, the ones that were involved with all the different elven, uh, you know, cultures, and obviously the Reachmen, who are believed to be, you know, descended from Needs, but, you know, mixed with all kinds of other races, like Bretons and stuff. I think, and we think we talked too about the whole uh, some different parts of the mythology, the whole like the Ranev, the Cold-Eyed Wanderer. I think in our Ancient Gods podcast, we talked about mm. that. A renowned warrior and spear maiden. 
Um, yeah. And the whole like different stories and stuff about like the snakes rising out of the ground and eating mm. everything. And we connected that uh, to potentially like Akatoshi sort of Alduin kind of destruction stories. I'll tell you what. If the Elder Scrolls Six is set in Hammerfell, we better be able to go in some ancient Nedic ruins, dude. As if Hammerfell isn't like the best. Like you've got, awesome, you got the normal cities, you got the Four Bear Crowns kind of stuff, which also ties in nicely with the Thelmore conflict. You've got Orsinium as a whole city, which could just be awesome to see. You've got Dwemer ruins, you got ancient Yakudan ruins, you got ancient Nedic ruins, you've got. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I think there's even some limited Aelid ruins and stuff. But you have so much potential for variety and everything. It's it's a good spot. A good I hope spot. they do it well if they if it's there. But yeah, yeah. I think that brings us to the end of uh, the mm-hmm. Nedic episode of the Elder Scrolls podcast. Thank you everyone for watching. If you want to support the channel, we've got links to get our merch and support us on Patreon in the description. Social media links are there too. And we look forward to nerding out with you again very soon.